Guess who's back from New York City? It's Paulina Pinsky. She's back. I wanted to know how her time in New York was, how her teaching was. She's starting a new Artist Way uh, workshop. It starts on Tuesday, September 6th. Wife of the Party's hosting a, pi- a sponsorship for that. Um, so if you are interested in her Artist Way program, go to paulinapinsky.com. And um, she talks about the steps to go through on her website in this episode to um, register for maybe getting the scholarship. So please um, check it out. It sounds like a great program. I think it's an intensive. It's an, a 12-week program that she's doing in only eight weeks in September, October. So if you're interested in accessing your creativity, um, Pauline is here to help. So we had such a great conversation as we always do. I love seeing her. I'm so glad she's back from New York. She will be back again often. And um, I always get all these great comments that she's one of your favorite guests. So I'm glad she's back. Thanks for coming every week. Thanks for all your emails. I appreciate them very much. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy this chat with Paulina Pinsky. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. summer it's been a whirlwind has it yeah so so remind me of where we last were when we saw each other because you were about to start your artist way okay and whoa yeah it's been a long time because i was gone the entire month of june remember that okay where i had like girl scout trip and then girl scout right trip and then yeah so artist way started and then i went back to new york to teach comedy writing to high schoolers remember at that? columbia yeah. how's that it's hard to put into words my seven weeks in New York because when I left New York, I felt, I mean, I was leaving because I had to, because it was, I was emergency landing at home. And when I went back in February, it was to very much pack up my apartment, break my lease and my engagement. Just, you know, I was getting red light after red light, like finding my cat close to dead in a closet. Like it was just bad. And this time around, I feel like I really processed whether or not I'm meant to be there right now. Interesting. And it's 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 a multifold journey in that my first day there, of course, I met somebody. Of course. Because why why sit with my feelings when I can rush into a romantic endeavor right. and lose myself in that? Mm-hmm. Um, which that's a whole story and is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it lasted three weeks and no surprise, it 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 didn't have legs. Yeah. Um and then I really was chewing on this idea of, you know, am I, am I supposed to come back? Because when I was there, I felt the electricity. I kept running into people. I mean, I was there for 10 years, you know? And so after I got my six months and I got my six months on June 22nd Mm -hmm. and then I left for New York the 24th. Wow. And so it was just, I felt like my brain was online 
for the first time in six months. Like I was a person again. Yeah. And then I got to be an adult person again. Yeah. You know, I'm not in my parents' house. I'm not just like clawing through each day. Mm-hmm. I am in New York City with a purpose. Like I am teaching. I'm working. Right. And so I just worked a fuck ton this summer. We like, did. like artist way and independent writing clients. And, you know, I was only teaching in person an hour a day, but still like teaching in person after being virtual for two, three years was like really like physically demanding. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, if the only way I can describe it is I really understand that my time in New York came to a close, that it was my choice this time to leave. Right. And that I am meant to be in LA right now. Wow. And so that was really an exciting thing to truly know uh-huh. now because I was really wrestling with it all summer. Sure. Um, and so the sort of um, culmination. But what made you know that? Did something happen or did you just sit with yourself or? So at the beginning of the summer, I met this person in a recovery meeting because, of course, that's the best place to find uh, romantic partners. Not. It's not. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, and so. And I, you know, I was seeing people and I was feeling, I mean, I know that place, you know, I've been there for mm-hmm. the past 10 years. I would, I debatably know New York more than I know LA. Sure. Even though I grew up here. But no, but it's different when you're an adult and you have to navigate a city. Yeah. It's a different learning. Yeah. Right. Like I know the subway systems. I had a car there. I knew how, like I knew the freeways, you know, yeah. whereas like here when I was growing up, my life was very contained. Mm-hmm. It was like school or the ice rink. So I I can tell you where my K through 12 school is. And I know every ice rink in Southern California, but like (laughs) did not understand the landscape of Los Angeles. Isn't that crazy? It's so, I had no idea. Yeah. And so being there, it was really grounding and liberating to be an adult person again. Mm -hmm. Not that I was being infantilized at all at home, but I was really, I was being reborn here. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, Like you were incubating. I was absolutely incubating. And so where better to do that than with your parents who love you and you're totally safe and everything's handled. Perfect incubation. I really got lucky. And I think it's been interesting because I've been questioning this compulsion to be open about my journey. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing with my eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it has to do with the nature of the disease and the mental illnesses themselves. And Mm -hmm. that secrecy breeds secrecy that it keeps it alive. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think, I think because I'm a nonfiction writer, it didn't feel it felt it felt in line with my artistic purpose to mine my life for material. Sure. But also at the same time, when I was in New York, I was so busy that I couldn't kind of I was so busy living that I didn't have the space and time to write or self-reflect in that way. Mm-hmm. And so now coming to a close, I can see that the central question was, where am I supposed to be? Mm hmm. And so, and, you know, of course, everyone there was like, come back, like, you know, come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and I do love it. But also I came to realize why I was stoned every day for five years, because mm-hmm. energetically, New York is a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going from the safety and, and solitude of my parents' house to like frenetic energy of Manhattan, mm-hmm. it was really almost debilitating. Mm-hmm. And... um and I'll get I'll get into the the three week romantic endeavor because I think it's a funny story, um, but ultimately, 
it, the, so I teach two, two, three week sessions where I teach an hour a day. Mm -hmm. And then the final week I teach a week long intensive. Mm -hmm. And so during the week long intensive, which was the final week, first week of August, um, I was teaching and I was walking in the halls and a student of mine from 2019 stopped me Mm -hmm. and was like, Oh my God, like, I'm so excited to see you. And I was like, Hey, you should come talk to the kids. And he came and he basically cited my, and, and mind you, when he was in my class, it was 2019 second session in my mind, a throwaway session. Cause there was only three kids mm-hmm. and he was like really quiet and reserved. Mm-hmm. And he basically said that my class was a turning point in his life. Wow. And gave him the confidence to pursue, you know, writing. And he just won this poetry contest and scholarship for writing for college. And He's head boy at his school. And, you know, at the time he was using they, them pronouns. And now he's using he, him pronouns. And, you know, just citing my class as the turning point really blew my mind. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because especially since like, I don't, I don't, I don't think I showed up to class stoned, but that was the energy that I was bringing. Like, interesting. I could have been stoned, you know, like I was really not giving it any, any thought. Um, which breaks my heart because now I understand the impact of the work that I've already been doing. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to bear witness to what aspects of my life weren't damaged, Mm -hmm. what aspects of my life were working. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't present enough to understand or receive that. Mm -hmm. And so that whole week I had an amazing group of kids, like not one stinker in the bunch. Like it was just, I felt I had a spiritual awakening. Wow. Like I understood that teaching kids or teaching people how to pursue creativity, how to pursue an artistic path is my, is my purpose. Right. That like, for whatever reasons, like this job I've had since I was a first year at MFA and I don't know how I got, like, it was just like, I applied to be a seminar leader and my boss was like, no, 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 you should teach Congress. I was like, yeah, actually I'm more suited to that. And I just kept getting promoted and bigger and bigger. And, and, you know, it's, it's the most fun job I've ever had. And it's also the job that I've tried the least to, to, to sort of get promoted in. That's so interesting. So it comes naturally. Mm -hmm. That's how life works, man. The road rises to meet you if you're ready. And all you have to do is say, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And you may not even, you sounds like you didn't even know you were saying you were ready, Mm -mm. but something in you did. Intuition. I mean, someone recently, um, a friend of mine who just did the artist way with me, her name is Roxette Arisa and she's a big beauty influencer. And she's actually starting a podcast because of the artist way called Bush Babies, nice, which I I guessed it on, which I'm really excited about. Awesome. Um, what's it called again? Bush Babies. Bush Babies. I think it's being released September 16th. Amazing. It's Roxette. And then, um, Rachel, I, I don't know what name she's going by publicly, but Rachel, when I was Miss Piggy on Ice, Rachel was Kermit. Aha. So like, these are How like cute is childhood <laughs> ice skating friends. And we had a really interesting conversation about ice skating. You did? Yeah. So I'm really excited for that to come out. Um, so yeah, Roxette was saying she heard that smoking weed actually actively blocks your intuition. What? I didn't know that. And I was like, I mean... That makes so much sense to me because so many people use it to get in touch with their intuition. But I think I was using it to stay in my relationship. And the moment I wasn't smoking, I was running. You wow. know, like if I actually listened to my intuition, You're I would have left. That's so interesting. You know, I talked to Isla about this this morning a little bit. Yeah. 
there's it's a blessing and a curse to be in touch with your intuition. It is really all a blessing, but sometimes it sure does feel like a curse. Well, I have stories about that. Yeah. So so to to wrap up the comedy writing, I basically felt so light and joyous that it felt like mania, but I wasn't manic. It was just like spiritual enlightenment. And I fell to my knees weeping with joy. And the last time I fell to my knees was in an Alabama gas station (laughs) praying at my bottom. What a juxtaposition, right? Seriously, Uh like the highs and lows Uh and like how when you're living life fully, it brings you to your knees. A hundred percent. And so that's absolutely right. Just that imagery alone. I was just like blown away by, um, So I came to realize that I've, you know, I've been pursuing my life's purpose, whether or not I was driving the car, right? Like Mm -hmm. this thing kept unfolding. I keep getting hired back. I keep doing this thing. I'm expanding my craft in in the ways in which I help other people facilitate their creativity. Um, But in terms of ignoring your intuition. Mm -hmm. So met this person in recovery meeting. Mm -hmm. Intuition one out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And something I've been learning is that when someone tries to prove to you that you're exceptional, that's actually a red flag. When they don't see you for who you are and instead put you on a pedestal, Mm. that is them trying to manipulate you Mm -hmm. and also um, like blow up your ego so as to like win your favor. And that's been really interesting because this guy was just I mean, with the guy who 13 stepped me before, it was like, oh, well, you know, you have a sponsor and you have a good relationship with your parents and you have a car and a master's degree. And, you know, I'm not picking up at sober living. So you're an exceptional newcomer, right? Wow. Yeah. And then two weeks later, he's skydiving with another newcomer after he breaks up with me. So it's like, wow. So it's like, I'm not actually screwed up. Right. So that was four months. And then at six months, I find this next guy. Yeah. Who. We were very intellectually compatible, compatible, but also it was his first meeting in six months. Mm. So I was like, red flag, but maybe I can change him. And uh, maybe (laughs) I can convince him to work a better program. And um, turns out I couldn't. And over the course of a few weeks, my intuition was just like screaming at you. But I was ignoring it. (gasps) And why were you doing that? Because. I didn't want to deal with the feelings and the confusion of being in New York, that it felt easier to fall into this habit of losing myself in someone and Mm. making that my purpose Mm -hmm. so as to not sit down and create, to sit down and be silent, to sit down and sort of really wrestle with why I was there. Would you say that you're like every other person on the planet who uh, I can say avoids uncomfortableness at all costs? Oh, absolutely. Yes. So interesting. At some age, I learned that that's where all the growth happens and to just run into it. Where it's uncomfortable, just headstrong, go give it to me because I got it. But you don't know that until you age into that, I think. I don't even know if it's an age or an experience or um, spiritual fitness over and over. Maybe spiritual fitness is a great way to put that. But at a certain point, I started going, oh, hold on. This is what I need to fix. Yeah. Oh, oh, I want to fix everything. So let's do it. Yeah. Instead of, eh, I'm just going to look to the left. <laughs> or I'll numb <laughs> myself walking. so yeah. as to move through it without feeling right. what it actually feels like. Right. And, you know, I don't have weed. I don't have alcohol. So I was like, oh, I'll use men, you know? Yeah. 
oh, this is a tried and true pattern for me. Right. Like, let me like I, I, I this summer I really was confronted with what we would call in 12 step programs, my character defects. Interesting. What does that mean? So essentially these aspects of self that we see as character defects are often like for me, it's like I'm late all the time. I'm really fucking late. I need to work on that. Yeah. Um, you know, my tendency to throw myself into pre- relationships prematurely, my tendency to ignore red flags, um, my inability to sit with discomfort, mm-hmm. uh, people pleasing. So sort of these like once you get sober and you can see what is actually a facet of your personality versus like basically they say everything that you do drunk, you're going to do sober. Mm-hmm. And so understanding like you can't just be like, oh, I got drunk and I did this. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I really just did that. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can't even blame it on being inebriated. Yeah, because, because I was I'm sober, sober and I did the same. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So and I see what you mean. Yeah. And so um, this man I kept seeing and kind of like marathon hanging out with and like codependent tendencies and he would feed me and he would like order all this food and make huge massive plates of food which at first I was like great but then at a certain point it was like he's not attuned to what I need yeah like, yeah and and he would like give me multiple gifts every time he saw me and at first I was like great and then I was like I don't want that yeah you know and then I felt obligated to give him gifts yeah um and so you know classic love bombing um and so uh you know, I kind of was able to recognize I was like, oh, I need some distance. And so I would like spend some days alone and then he'd come over and then it would, you know, another marathon hangout would start. And so after I finished the first session of teaching, mm-hmm. we were walking Riverside Park and we were talking about character defects and he was like, what are yours? And I was like, in my mind, I was like, uh, you'll find out. Like, I don't want to tell <laughs> you. you know? And he started monologuing about his and it, it I started dissociating wow and i felt like i was on a psychedelic like i felt like the grass was like hyper visual like everything was super bright and like i couldn't feel my arm and i were i was suspended back into being with my ex and having him monologue about antinatalism and getting stoned on the couch to cope with it and so like in my mind in my fucked up attic brain i was like thc must have been released in my system and you know like because I didn't eat and it can exist in your body and all this stuff. But really what happened is it triggered a panic response. Right. I was going to say you were having a panic. I attack. was having a panic yeah. attack. And so I was like, oh, I haven't because I, I hadn't been to a meeting before. And then, you know, I hadn't been to meeting that day and I wasn't working my program because he doesn't work a good program. Yeah, right? totally. And so I was coming to realize that the quality of someone else's sobriety really impacts me. Interesting. In that, like, if someone who is sober is not working a good program, like, you can you can sort of sense someone's spiritual wellness, and mm-hmm. that's all twelve step is, right? It's like a ser- it's a spiritual solution to a problem. Yeah, because a lot of this is about broken parts, mm-hmm. you know, broken parts of your psyche or your spirituality or both. Yeah, and until you really start, I mean, being spiritual and really laying yourself at the feet of whatever buddha well a, universe a higher power of your own understanding exactly yeah until you start really going no no no. actually jesus take the wheel yeah like i'm not you in know, charge i'm not in charge right? that's right if and, I was, and i'm okay with that yeah not just i'm not in charge but i actually want you to be in charge because what you can imagine for me is better what i can imagine for me so i can say hey i want to feel secure and for the rest of my life 
What you provide for me is way better than what I think. So why in the world would you ever tell him what to do or yeah. her or it or whatever? Yeah. This D- is your life anything like you imagined it no. would be? Are you kidding? I went to my high school. I graduated with like 73 people. And <laughs> in the tiniest town, I, I can't tell you how many times I drive through L.A. and think about what I have accomplished personally and as a business partner to Bert and as a mother and go, how in the world did this happen? Yeah. There's only one way is that I open myself up to receiving. Yeah. That's what I did (sighs) is at a certain point I went, I don't need to be the boss, Mm. but I'm happy to take what the boss will give me because (laughs) the boss knows what I need. Well, that's interesting that you say that because that's exactly what happened with comedy writing. Right. Like I went to the boss right. and I was like, I want a job. And she was like, actually, this is what you're going to do. Right. And it was exactly suited to my expertise. Yes. Yeah. So I and the rose, that. the the road rose to meet you. Well, there's a Joseph Campbell quote that's like the path is never what you plan for, but what unfolds with each step you take. Uh-huh. And I've been thinking about that a lot mm-hmm. because the most I could ab- imagine for myself as a teenager was I'm going to go to college and then I'll probably do Disney on ice post-college. <laughs> and it's like, what a small minded. Yeah. And, and I, granted, I was given every opportunity. I, yeah, I, totally. could, I could imagine so, so many things. And I never thought I would get a postgraduate degree. Uh-huh. I, you know, as soon as I was done with college, I was like, fuck this. But also I had like six weeks before graduation broke both my feet because I was blackout pretending to do parkour at college. Parkour. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Mistakes were made. That was one of the feet great. were broken in a blackout. The other one was a week later Lord. in the lecture hall. Lord. Sober. Yeah. And it's like, I don't have a problem. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Alcohol is not my problem. Yeah. No. It's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, um, my body was telling me something. And a week before that, I had, we had been hanging out all weekend and I got home and binged a pint of ice cream. And I hadn't done that since I was stoned because it felt so good. And my brain was doing the dopamine shit. And so I was in the bathtub and I felt high and I like called my sponsor. I called a friend. I called my therapist. My therapist was like, wait, this just happened recently. No, no, no. This was a week before the panic attack. Got it. Oh, oh that's what I mean. Yeah. I, we jumped from two broken feet to that. Yeah, and sorry, I missed, I didn't I missed the link. Us. Okay. So the, the transition okay. was back to back to New York. Mid July. Yeah. Um, the week b- before that, I had had a sugar high, and my therapist was like, "I was like, I met someone." She was like, "Okay, yeah, of course you did." Like, <laughs> yeah, typical. Um, and she was like, "Can you exercise?" And so I ended up walking from 95th to Times Square, just like stomping down the street, yeah. just like texting a fellow. Went to see the Elvis movie. Showed up 30 minutes late. Saw you know, it was just yeah. like my body was telling me things, but I couldn't. I could, I wouldn't allow my put myself to put two and two together mm-hmm. because I was avoiding being with myself, you know? Yeah. And so I have this panic attack. He comes back. He takes me to my apartment. I take a nap in my apartment. I wake up to my parents in the apartment mm-hmm. with this guy. And I'm like, can you get like my, my mom came in. I was like, can you get dad in the room? And he sat with me and he was like, are you having a migraine? Cause I had, you know, really intense migraines in my early twenties. And I couldn't like, I felt like I had been bludgeoned, but I couldn't, like it felt Mm post-migraine, but I was also operating with the like THC probably leaked in my system and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't know. And my dad was like, does your head hurt? I was like, well, I don't know. He was like, stop. Like, does your head hurt? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, early on in your sobriety, you told me that migraines were a panic response. 
Mm. So he clocked it, you know? Yeah. No bullshitting that guy. Uh, ever. <laughs> That's exhausting. Not ever. I bet. Yeah. He has a good bullshit meter. Um, always has. And, um, and I just like felt really overcome with sadness about the fact of this exists in my body that mm-hmm. I can't escape this, that like, I just felt really powerless in that mm-hmm. moment. Um, and so, you know, I was asking him questions like, you know, was it clear how much weed I was smoking with my ex? Like, did it, did you see that we had a problem? He's like, no, but what is clear is that you build castles around bullshit and you can't believe everything that everyone says. And that just like rang in my head. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck, I am building castles around bullshit right now. I know I am. I know <laughs> I'm ignoring my body. I know like, you know, and then it became very clear that I needed to break up with this guy. Yeah. And so a um, few days pass. I was like selling stuff on Instagram. This is when it gets funny. Um, and he messages me and he's like, I want that. I want that. I want that. And then immediately sends me $150 before I can even confirm and I was like, oh, God, I have to break up with him. And he just sent me money. Oh, my fuck. And I was like, oh, what do you want? Can you talk? And so I ended up calling him and I was like, you know, I just like I can't date right now. Like, I really need to focus on myself. And he took it really well. Mm-hmm. And then um, I stayed on the phone too long because I was like, oh, I kind of expected him not to take it well. And I think like to a certain degree, if I'm honest with myself, I was like, well, fuck, like I'm worth getting upset about, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, you know, maybe it's like right person, wrong. I'm just talking out of my ass. And I said something like, you know, the quality of if I'm going to be with a sober person, like the quality of their sobriety matters to me, like and how they work the program. Yeah. And he did not like that. Um, he was like, well, you know, your self-righteousness is really unbecoming and like, you don't want to be a sober person who, you know, has 10 years and like turns people away from the program. And all that matters is that I haven't had alcohol in my belly for four and a half years. And, you know, basically like, who are you to say? Yeah. And all I said back was like, the fact that you have four and a half years is really inspiring, you yeah. know, cause it is. Yeah. Um, and then he hung up the phone and I ended up going to Montana for my cousin's wedding, yada, yada, yada. This is when shit got weird. So I go to the wedding. I get COVID. So I got COVID twice this Uh, summer. Gee, you're the second person I know that's gotten COVID twice this summer. Really? Yes. I'm glad I'm not the only one. It was rough. Yeah. Second time was worse. Was it? Yeah. I've only had it once. I have a cold right now. I keep taking tests going, nope, it's not COVID. I don't feel like I have COVID. Yeah. I just feel like I have a cold. I feel like once you have COVID, you know what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a very distinct, like, you know. Yep. (laughs) I totally agree. Yeah. Well, I've only had it once, but I, when I had it, I was like, I think this might be COVID. Yeah. Twice. It's reputation summer. precedes it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with reason. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. Um, so he ended up messaging me and was like, Hey, like, I would love to come pick up the stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah. Like, what do you actually want? And he wanted this like mirror that was like an eyeball with like a mirror in the middle and then my printer and then some of his stuff, that he, like a shirt and a hat that was his. And so I was like, great. Yeah. You can come pick it up. I teach my class. I walk out of the class and I get a message from him. And it's a picture of a woman in a bra with her shirt off in his room. And he's like, hey, my friend thinks you're hot. Like, I can set you up if you want. Like, winky face. And I'm in my head being like, I have to, I still have to interact with this guy. You know, like, I need him to get to his shit. Yeah. Um, And so I'm like, oh, LOL, like, she's hot. Like, do you often have your friends in your room without shirts on? And like, how did I come up? And he was like, oh, well, she's Polly and I was scrolling through Instagram and she saw your thirst trap and now she's interested. Like, I can set that up if you want. 
And I was just like, cool. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And so before that I had muted his Instagram stories and I think that he noticed. Mm. And so I was like, what's going on? And I go to his Instagram and it's a picture of her tattoo. And then it's another picture of her tattoo, which is like a woman bent over with her B hole and her P hole, like exposed with like an ass cheek with a unicorn on it. So that's one of her tattoos. Okay. Then the next, yeah, right. I'm like, not a red flag. Yeah. And then the next one is like a video of his like leg under a, a blanket and like his hand over her breast. And then like the same picture he sent me with a heart emoji over it. And so I was like, oh, he really wants me to know that he's fooling around with stuff. like he's yeah, like, totally. Yeah. I was like, OK. And I, I you know, I, I just felt like really grossed out. Yeah, that's super just, gross. I didn't. I don't know. Like I learned a lesson. Yeah. And it's that anyone who fools around with a newcomer is insane. Usually. Yeah. yeah. Um, And so it gets better. So I, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like he just needs to come pick up his stuff. Next day he texts me and he's like, Hey, I'm coming in 30 minutes. I'm like, okay. And so I go down to the, I have a doorman at the building that I was at I leave with the doorman. Two hours later, the doorman calls me and he's like, Hey, um, he didn't pick up the printer. And I'm like, what? Why? He picked up the rest of the stuff. So the doorman, I'm like friends with all of the people who work yeah. at this building. Um, so basically he came and he picked up the mirror and he goes, ah, I don't want this shit threw it on the street on a pile of trash, then picked up the printer and was like, wow, this is heavier than I thought. Do you guys have duct tape? And then he wanted to duct tape the printer to his bike. And they were like, I don't think you should do that. And he was like, you know what? I'll text Pauline and she'll have to figure out how to get it to me. Then he took the cord for the printer and left. What? Wow. He's kookaroo. Yeah. And so it's like, I felt that. Yeah, I felt that and I couldn't ignore it. Like my body was freaking the fuck out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if this was I mean, thank God it was only three weeks, you know, like I've I've been in relationships longer where I felt something was off and stayed for two years, you know. And so like at the time I felt a lot of shame because I was like, oh, God, like lo and behold, I had sex and sobriety, exciting day, whatever. Turns out I can still bone. But also, like, clearly I'm still making crappy choices. Right. And I was talking to my best friend about it. And she was like, listen, I've known you a long time. That's not the worst guy you've ever fucked. <laughs> right. There you go. And so, like, I just well, feel. Well, that and it's baby steps, you know. Yeah. You gotta be so patient with yourself. You got to treat yourself like you'd treat five-year-old Paulina. Yeah. What would you do if five-year-old Paulina made choices like that? Obviously, she wouldn't make those same no. choices. But if she I'd did, forgive her, I'd be like, you'd be it's like, okay. oh, honey, it's all right. Yeah. You have to talk to yourself that way. No shame. Yeah. I don't like the word shame. I know. Nothing to be ashamed of. I think often about how you said shame has to do with who you fundamentally believe you are. Yes, and- that's right. It's, it's about your, your value. Yeah. And that moment in time is not about your value. Well, I think the better word for it is embarrassment. Okay, that's okay. I'll take embarrassment. Yeah, because I think I used to say, like, I don't feel embarrassed. I'll do anything. And then I'd be drunk or stoned and then do whatever. And then next day I'd be like, oh, that was uncomfortable. I'm kind of embarrassed. (laughs) Right. And so feeling feeling the true impact of embarrassment was new to me where it was Uh, like because you didn't numb it (laughs) and move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I've I don't feel as embarrassed now. Now I'm like, that's a crazy story. Yeah, that's a crazy guy. He unfortunately is unhealthy. And he's not fully sober either. Yeah, no, mm. cl- clearly not. No. Um, 
Thanks. But that's what I mean is you can feel the quality of someone's sobriety. Like yeah, yeah. where I'm at and I don't know anything. Like I'm just doing taking it one day at a time. I'm not here to proselytize. Like I don't think, I fundamentally do not believe that I'm better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I did not feel prior to this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that like true sobriety is being able to sit with someone and register them as a person mm-hmm. and, be- and value them equally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- that's, that's freedom. You know why? Because if everybody's equal, you don't need to do any kind of acrobatics to figure shit out because everybody's equal. Mm. And I know I know several people who've been in the program for a long time, and I would never have known they ever had any addiction problems at all. Mm. And I think that's how you know someone's really working the program because yeah. they're really done. <laughs> like, really yeah, done. Yeah, that's they're, so... They're done. Like, yeah. stick a fork in me, I'm done. And you can tell it. Right. My friends who've been sober, granted, they've been sober a long time. Yeah. I would never know they had any problems Mm. ever. And so that's the goal. You're not there yet. You're six months in seven, eight months now. Eight months. 253 days. It's amazing. But that's when you know somebody is done is that you don't even know they're in the program. Yeah. I mean, my friend has been sober 25 years. She goes to a meeting every single day she can to this day, yep, would never know. But that's and all her she, friends are the same. Would right. never know. Well, if you're really working a program, you appear sane mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know if you're not working it, you will be crazy. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm waking up to the ways in which my life was unmanageable and that I was a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so. This past weekend was my best friend's bachelorette birth, uh, not birthday party, bachelorette party. Yeah. She's marrying her longtime partner. And all summer, I was kind of like, I get to be of service to her. I get to, they, it, we rented a house in the Hollywood Hills. We went to the, the St. No Picnic Festival. Like, you know, I really was like, I want to make a living in men because this is my best friend who, when we went to Tokyo on her birthday, I got crossfaded and ditched her to have sex with a Turkish guy in a love hotel. Oh you know? my God. So like, that's not good friend behavior. You no, know, that's definitely not good. I can't, no, no can't sign off on that. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> I, and nor can I, like I feel deep sadness about yeah. that. Like that was just entirely self-motivated. Yeah. And so this past weekend being to be there for her, like trying to just like do as much as I possibly could, it felt good, but it was also exhausting because mm-hmm. I was like, I felt so of service to the people around me. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is we were in the jacuzzi and I already was talking about Harry Potter houses and like, I'm not a huge Harry Potter person. I picked up the book, the first book in the fourth grade and read about the flying motorcycle and was like, eh, don't believe it. And yeah, right. put it down. I was yeah. like, nonfiction starter, writer from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, like I've, I've done the quiz and I got Hufflepuff. Like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, whatever. And Chelsea was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, well, what are you? And she was like, Hufflepuff. And I was like, well, what do you think? And she explained how like Hufflepuff is like very like. They're they're never like they never want to be the star, but they are like have a role on the stage and like Mm -hmm. they're much more like focused on friendship and like humor and, you know, all these things. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And I was like, well, what do you think I am? And she was like, well, honestly, I think you're it's a toss up between Hufflepuff and Slytherin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (laughs) because my self-concept is Gryffindor, you know, (laughs) and she was like, well, Gryffindor is like. Gryffindor and Slytherin aren't that different in that they are of service, but Gryffindor is in service of others and Slytherin is in service of self. Right. And I was like, fuck. 
<laughs> like, cause you know, in the past eight months, I've learned how to be of service to other people. And yeah. I think before I started drinking, I was of service to other people, but also at the same time I was in this highly competitive sport. It was very single-minded. It was very self-focused. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ditching your best friend on her birthday to have sex with a Turkish man in a love hotel is a Slytherin move. It's you know? a total Slytherin. Yep. And so it just, it rocked my world because I want to prove to her that I'm not, but also at the same time, she's known me since 2015, 2014. Yeah. yeah. You know, like eight years now, she's one of my best friends. And, you know, and she was like, you know, it's not a bad thing. She's like, Snape is a Slytherin. He's the best person in the book. You know, she wasn't saying it to wound me. No, no. But it so shook the way in which I see myself. Interesting. And I think that is what getting sober means is like having people show you who you are and having it surprise you and digesting that and Mm -hmm. choosing whether you want to stay that way or if that's who you are. Right. Like Mm -hmm. turning it over and saying, God, please remove these defects of character. Like I'm probably going to continue to be self-motivated, but also now I work to be of service to others. Right. I can show up and do the bachelorette. I can drive everybody around. I can, you know, borrow like fancy, like sort of like boudoir robes for, from my friend who does plus size vintage and have all the girls take pictures, you know, like I can do yeah. these things. Yeah. Um, so it's a constant awakening process. <laughs> I think it is. I don't like the term defects of character. Mm. I don't like that. It sounds very judgy. Mm. Instead of a loving way of saying the same thing, how would you say, like, the things I need to work on, mm. which is a lame thing, but defects of character is so very strong. Yeah. Um, because almost all defects have a gift in them. Mm. You just have to figure out their superpower, right? Yeah. Bert's very self-focused. He gets very exhausted when it's not about when he's of service to other people. Yeah. But that self-focus piece makes him an amazing writer because he's constantly thinking about how things affect him that people who aren't self-focused don't have time or interest or or um, wherewithal to, to do. Yeah. So it's kind of his superpower at the same time one might call it a defective character. So I don't know. I don't like that term. Yeah, I think, you know. I'm sure it's an effective term. No, Sorry, it 12 is. steps. <laughs> Very effective. It makes you go, stop doing that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you get to decide or you you continue to unfold the ways in which the quote unquote defect of character serves you or inhibits you, right? Uh-huh. So like my my consistency of being late is not serving me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. showing up to meetings late, starting meetings late. Like, you know, like, that's something that I can change, mm-hmm. but also I'm very accustomed to, and it's going to be difficult for me to change. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hear you in terms of the verbiage, um, but also, you know, a white guy in the 1930s wrote this using like Christian yeah, totally. language. But I think I really like this idea of, of um, it's almost like understanding the fabric of who we are, mm-hmm. right? And I, th- I like this idea of not only looking at it as something problematic, but something that actually like there's a reason it serves us. Right. Like with yeah. Bert, it's like he's built this career for me. It's like I'm a nonfiction writer. I write about my experience. I'm able to talk here and share what I've experienced because I am internally focused. Yes. Um, yes. That's my point. Yeah. My point is it ain't all bad. But so you got to figure out what is what's not yeah. working What's not working for you of that character defect? Yeah. Don't get rid of all of it. I like this idea of of a, a, a different way of saying it. Like, plus like, you can you can say that stinks, and you can also say that's not my favorite. Yeah, and you still are saying basically I don't like that. Like the instruments of persona or something like that. Like the what instruments are instruments <laughs> of persona? Grr. <laughs> uh, the 
the yeah the instruments of persona i like that i don't know do you know what i mean no i do because i think that the 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 connotation of the word is inherently negative yeah and that like and you're in a healing process yeah so how do you draw the healing am i I'll probably get annihilated for even bringing that up to for even negating any part of the 12 step program, which I know nothing about. Yeah. Well, but that's but, the thing. I think that like, I think that there's sort of the rudimentary sort of like accept the program, digest it. And then there's sort of like the graduate level understanding of like, you know, we have solutions in the program to not drink or use, but also sometimes the solution is sitting in the negative feeling, right? Yeah, like yeah. if I hadn't ran into this run, ran, run, if I hadn't ran into this thing with this person who mm-hmm. ended up stealing my cord from my printer so I couldn't resell it, <laughs> you know, um, I would have had to sit with negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And that was more of the solution than running into this relationship. Mm-hmm. That being said, running into this whatever hookup, whatever it is, showed me my pattern, mm-hmm. showed me my unwillingness to sit in discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a twofold thing where you can really uh, like through seeing the ways in which um, we have had to cope throughout our lives mm-hmm. and without alcohol and drugs, it just becomes even more apparent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did this. Like, this wasn't just my addiction. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a facet of my addiction, but this is just like something that I've done to cope forever. Right. Um, and it's part of your personality where you have less judgment, those defects. You yeah. Have, you have less judgment, uh, um, judgment, not meaning like that's bad, but like, do I, don't I judgment. It's like Um, exposure of self, right? mm -hmm. Like there's no, like, you know, if you're working the program, you have people who hold you accountable, people who see you clearly, who reflect you back at yourself, the people who give you your Slytherin moment, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm fortunate to have beautiful friendships where people are able to reflect back to me and now feel safe enough to tell me, yeah, yo, you got some Slytherin in you, you know, (laughs) right. It's, it's, um, it's just a, it's a constant awakening process, which I, you know, I, I considered myself a spiritual person prior to this program. I prayed to Elvis before ice skating competitions, but totally, you know, and my mom had clairvoyance come to the house and tell me dead people were in the room, but I didn't, there wasn't a sense of true connection. Mm. Like, I think again, of the idea of building castles around bullshit, mm-hmm. it's like the clairvoyant was like, Elvis is here. And I'm like, yes, he's here. You know, <laughs> that being said, like my relationship to Elvis, he was my first deity, mm-hmm. you know? And of course he's problematic. So is the Catholic church. Yeah. So um, is, yeah. every religious totally. institution. Yep. Um, and that's not a conversation that I shy away from at all. Right. Um, but I think that like, there is something really important about having a sense of I'm not the biggest, most mightiest, most all-knowing entity. Right. Like, I actually don't know what's going on. Right. There's, to me, I, I grew into this again. This was not the way I felt in my 20s. Mm. But as I matured, I, that gave me so much relief and like, not lack of accountability, but in a certain way, a lack of accountability where you go, if you, if you do what the good book says, you live right, you live clean, you take care of your body, you take care of your family, you take care of your community and you're, uh, behaving in a, as much of a noble and, uh, ethical, moral fashion as you possibly can then no one's perfect. That doesn't happen all day, every day. But if that's your intention and that's what you walk into the world trying to do, then 
the the bigger picture should take care of you. Yeah. You know, that's that's what the good book says. I, I was fortunate, I think, to have a grandmother. I had two grandmothers. One one basically said, never went to church. And I asked her why she didn't go to church because I knew she was religious. I mean, spiritual. Yeah. And she said, church is like a hospital. I only go when I'm feeling sick. <gasps> I feel good all the time because I live clean, I live right. And she did. She was one of the best people as far as how she treated other people and how she gave to the community. There was no one better I ever knew. Wow. So her philosophy is, why do I need to go hear some preacher tell me something I'm already doing? You know? And then the other one, every time the doors open was in the pew. Every time the doors open in the pew. And they both leaned on religion or spirituality or that belief of a higher power mm. in two completely different ways. Yeah. But they were both very spiritual people. So I had these two examples of either way you could go. Yeah. I went to church a lot when I was in high school and I, cause I was really curious about the Bible. Like mm. I don't understand why the entire world pretty much. Oh, it is the fundamental text of modern day society. Like exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so what's the, what's the hype? So I was yeah. like, where do you go to learn that? You go to church. Yeah. I went to Sunday school. Wow. And I went and to you church. Were a, you were a Sunday school teacher. I was a Sunday school teacher. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then at a certain point, I was like, I think I'm going to lean over on Willa May's team. Mm. I think I'm not sick. Why Why do I need That's to go? That's so fascinating. Um, I'm not interested in what the preacher is presenting as a human being. So I can't get behind that anymore. I, th I think people... Uh, use religious doctrine, use religiosity to prove spiritual wellness when true spiritual wellness can be, you know, consistent with a religious dogma. Can be, absolutely. But also can be divorced of it. I've had two of the, both grandmothers. Yeah. One and, was consistent with, one was a little divorced of it. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I really am not in judgment of people who were raised religious no. and then, or any of that, but I didn't really have a true religious upbringing in that mm. like my grandfather was jewish we did hanukkah like i understood that i was sort of jewish and my mom tried to pass me off onto the christian girl in my class for like a month and that didn't really work <laughs> who was jewish um <laughs> my mom, your, dad your dad's jewish mm -hmm. but like more culturally than religiously right, like right. i think that's kind of what I, and when i went on birthright which is just propaganda for israel like <laughs> it's just like zionist propaganda where they're trying to get you to procreate that oh being said God. 10 days in Israel for free was pretty sick. I bet. Um, and, but at the same time, you know, you can be culturally Jewish without being religiously so. Uh -huh. And I think New York City is like a testament to that. Like after 10 years in New York, like I am more Jewish than anybody in my family. Yeah, you right. Know? <laughs> and so when I went to Israel, I did feel this sense of connection to my grandfather. Yeah. And for him, he came to Los Angeles and he was raised in like a conservative, almost Orthodox Jewish home in, in Chicago. He had to shed his Judaism in order to fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, he wasn't allowed into the country clubs. He could only get into one tennis club in Arcadia. And mm -hmm. he married the Shiksa goddess and she had to convert to marry him. And, you know, uh, there were all these, you know, elements of Judaism in my lineage. Mm -hmm. But part of our story is this idea of whiteness allows for passability mm -hmm. and you know it's it's interesting to say that because i'm very white mm -hmm. i look like my shiksa goddess grandmother you know yeah, yeah yeah um but there is this cultural connection that does feel spiritual mm -hmm. but i don't have the religious dogma you right. know i don't have that training i have adjacent to it 
I feel proximity to it. A lot of the people in my life who I love are very conservative or orthodox or modern, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I had that, mm-hmm. but I now understand that we're all coming at the same thing, mm-hmm. that it's just different ways to explain or categorize or understand something greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, because my first boyfriend was Muslim. And so, you know, I was I was able to watch them practice Islam and, you know, do Ramadan. And, you know, I think I read the Quran at a certain point. And, you know, obviously the Bible has stories and, you know, sort of ways of life. But mm-hmm. every every major religions has their own sense of understanding mm-hmm. and that no one is better than the other. That's right. And so, and that's true spirituality when you can say, okay, I respect mm-hmm. what they've got going on. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely, I'm yeah. like, you know, what's going on in this country? It's like, that is not true spirituality. No, it is not. I, I have a family member who used to, when I lived in New York, pick me up from the airport and we had a full one hour argument over the uh, souls of the people in Africa and whether or not they were going to heaven because they had not been baptized. Jeez. And I was like... This is the hill I'm dying on. <laughs> I'm dying on this motherfucking like, hill. Here we go today. You want to know why? Because you are stupid. <laughs> How in the world can you think these people who've never heard of your church yeah. in your rural hometown yeah. and they have not been baptized are going to hell? Yeah. How does that even make sense? Well, who gave you the right to think that you're superior? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, we fought for the full hour. Oh argued God. and argued and argued. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I need that person to pick me up from the airport Never anymore. <laughs> well, but part of it is that they have to justify their own dedication. Otherwise, what's the point? And, you know, I love the dedication. Yeah. I love that dedication. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. But if you keep going back to Jesus, Jesus did not judge anybody. Yeah. And I know they're saying the scripture says you must be baptized to enter the gates of heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. But are you really telling me God looks at these people who've never heard of or seen the Bible and goes, sucks for you. <laughs> Maybe luck, next buddy. time. Yeah. You know, no, 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 I don't, I don't buy that. I also, yeah, I don't buy a lot from yeah. the Bible, but the basic part of it will save your life in a lot of ways and save your anxiety and save your brain. And, you know, well, in, in, you know, ancient times, education was going to church and reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's how they got people to stop killing each other, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it was the primary, it was moral lessons. It was the primary mode of education. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who were going to church couldn't read, you know? And so it's like, it, it has done service to society. Mm -hmm. It is a fundamental text for a reason. Like my high school, we read it as a literary text. And so I have a very, like, I know the Bible, but not from a a religious standpoint. Right. And it's just moral stories. Yeah. It's just being a good person. And again, like, I think that's why I so love the artist's way. Uh Uh-oh. The cold is popping up. (coughs) I lasted a long time. Yeah, you did. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's why I love the artist's way. Because Mm -hmm. it, again, it's this idea of coming up with a God of your own understanding, but Mm -hmm. also understanding that creativity is our gift from God. Mm -hmm. And it is our right to give our creativity back to God. That's right. And um, Elizabeth Gilbert has this amazing TED talk where she talks about um, you know, how she's like, I wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And it's like, everybody's been like, what are you going to do now? You know, and she wrote another book called Big Magic, which is spectacular. Is it really? Yeah, it's spectacular. And um, she talked about how in ancient Greece, um, 
writers or artists would channel a daemon, which was this like spirit that lived in your wall. So it was an act of cha- cha- uh, channeling. Interesting. And that one person wasn't a genius, like their genius, the, the name of the daemon was a genius. Mm-hmm. And so you would channel your genius and it was dependent on what you could channel that day rather than impingent on your own wily artistic endeavor, you know? Right. And so there was a point in which we we internalized the concept and made it about the ego mm-hmm. when originally it was about your ability to channel something about outside of yourself. It was yeah. About the divine. And so that's, I think, what's so beautiful about the artist's way is that it really fundamentally is how am I practicing my God given right to be creative? Right. That, you know, waking up and doing my morning pages every day, like I really view writing to be the act of channeling. Mm-hmm. It's taking something ephemeral and using your body as a conduit to make it deliverable. Mm-hmm. And so I wake up every day. Um, I read a portion of the big book um, and I do three pages of stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, and I've been doing that since 2018. And if I don't do it, if I don't do my brain drain, I feel crazy. Yeah. You know, and that is that is the sort of bedrock of my spiritual practice is touching in, t- in with myself, but also touching in with whatever is 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 going to come through me that day. Mm-hmm. And today I'm going to apply for a Ph.D. You are. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And like, you know, what does that mean? I don't know anything about that. So I'm going to apply for a PhD program in creative writing. Okay. So do you apply for that in a particular school? Yeah. And you know where you want to apply? Uh That's amazing. I want to know. I don't know if you want to. Yeah. I'll tell you later. Okay. Tell me later. Yeah. Like I woke up and I was like, that's what I want to do. (gasps) Well, the application came to me at 645 this morning. I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. And Are I don't, you kidding? And yesterday I was working out with my trainer and she pulled a tarot card for me and she was like, you have the ace of swords. And like, this is about like clarity of vision, new ideas. And all of a sudden later that day, I was like, boom. And, and that's, that's so exciting. <laughs> that's so exciting. Yeah, Cause I want to write my memoir and I want to study memoir and I want to like continue the work that I'm doing, but with more support, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, you know, doing the artist way and understanding like, you know, I facilitated two groups, like 24 people this summer. I'm doing another one that's starting next Tuesday. Yes. And that's an eight week version. And I'm happy to sponsor another scholarship. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, so yes, it'll let's... be a quick turnaround. So if you're, yep. if you're listening to this, you need to apply right now. Yep. And I want to hear uh, why you need the scholarship and what you would like to do with the scholarship. Yeah. Um, cause it's going to be real quick and I will probably have to tell you by like Sunday. So you have enough time to read. Um, cause the first meeting we're reading the basic tools and chapters one and two, because it's a 12 week workbook, but we're doing it in eight weeks. So it's a bit expedited. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just like, I'm at this point understanding that my purpose is to help people get in touch with their creativity Mm -hmm. and discover what the higher power of their own understanding is. And Mm -hmm. for me, like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry. It's okay. (coughs) Okay. Um, practicing my creativity is part of my spiritual practice. And, and you know what? I was just thinking as you were saying this, mm-hmm. like when you thought all that was there for you was Disney on ice, mm-hmm. right? You've been talking to me about wanting to write your memoirs, right? You're a published author. Yeah. I, I used to have this thought about acting teachers mm. who acted, who worked, but also taught. Because perhaps being that catalyst for so many other artists is as important, if not more important than the memoir. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe not as flashy. Well, one of my students just won the Narratively Memoir Prize. Amazing. <laughs> and I was like, why don't I do this for myself? 
you right? know, but also at the same time, you're right. Like I understand in this moment in time that through helping other people facilitate that I am honing my a hundred percent. That's actually, that's absolutely right. Yeah. You're, you're honing your own skill by teaching other people how to sharpen theirs. Yes. That's right. My friend, Jack Lowry, who wrote an amazing book, um, uh, about, uh, the graphic designs in the AIDS act up movement. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it called? It was, it was, um, Oh my God. Well, I have no idea. Well, it's like a, what is it called? It was ugly and it was beautiful or something like that. I don't know. Oh God. I'm so sorry, Jack. I know the name of your book. I just. You're blanking. I'm blanking. You're blanking. Um, his name is Jack Lowry. It's about AIDS ac- activism. <laughs> it's brilliant. Mm. But we were having dinner cause I dog sat for him and he took me out to dinner and he was talking about the memoir that he thinks is the best memoir he's ever read. Mm. It's called Memorial Drive by, I think her name is Natasha Trethewey. Mm. And I'm currently reading it. Is it good? It's brilliant. Really? And he was doing a talk with Sarah Schulman, who also just released a book about AIDS activism. And something that she said was she, so she was speaking of the the author, the the poet who wrote the memoir. And she said she waited until she was at the height of her powers to tell her story. Mm. And I, when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, because I've been, I know, I know I'm supposed to write a memoir. Mm. I know it. Mm. I'm dedicated to the genre. I help other people do it. I know that I have a weird life experience that Mm -hmm. I want to translate to words. Totally. But I know that I'm not at the height of my powers yet. And I don't have all of the perspective that I need. Right. And so when he said that to me, it just, it opened a door for me where it was mm-hmm. like, I will know when I'm ready, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and I'll be honest with you. This past eight months you've been through needs to be talked about. Yeah. And you got some ways to go. You're still having moments where you're embarrassed. You're still making mistakes, which is healthy yeah, and good. That's where you learn and grow is in the mistakes. You well, did that's... everything right. It's a pretty boring book. Yeah, no. So, and a boring life. No. If you do everything right, right from the beginning, it's usually a lie. Yeah, right. It's not true. It's a facade if someone's a telling you Completely. And if someone believes themselves to be doing everything right, they're lying to themselves. Yeah. So, I think you're right. I don't think you're ready to write mm-hmm. that book because I don't think you've lived the life. You, you've not come to a place where there's a full story. Mm-mm. It'd be like writing a book and ending in the middle. Yeah. And then you, you well, don't know the rest. That's what the newsletter is for me. My newly sober Substack newsletter where I'm trying to just document. Yeah. As much as possible so that when I look back a year from now, I'll be like, oh, that's how I felt then. Yeah, right? totally. Um, yeah. I think it's amazing. Thank you. I think everything you've done since I met you has been amazing. Well, I was watching the first time I met you. You were? I watched it. And I just look, I'm literally gripping like this. You and I'm are? Sitting. Yeah, I can see it now. Because when I was in proximity to my dad, I was so hypercognizant of how I was performing and being in a dress. And, you know, just like, not that I feel uncomfortable in dresses, but like. No, but I know what you mean. You're I, very aware of representing this brand, so to speak, instead of just being yourself, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is not that different from the brand. You just probably feel different about it. Mm-hmm. You seem the same. You seem less nervous, more comfortable. Yeah. But basically the same. That's what it is. I, <laughs> is I felt 
It's okay. I'm so sorry you're coughing. I just want to hug your lungs. Give it a little kiss. Yes! It was vulgar and it was beautiful. Brilliant, brilliant book. Thank you, beautifully. Hustle. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, beautifully researched, eloquently re- written. He is like my smartest friend from ga- graduate school. So check out his book. Um, and he's just like a wonderful gem of a human being. Um, and um, yeah, I think I was just... <sighs> you were racing straight ahead for this breaking point. Yeah. That's what was happening. That's probably a lot of this. I couldn't hold on. Well, because I was holding the secret, right? Yes. Amen, sister. I had a huge secret. You had multiple secrets. Yeah. You had the the pot. You had the boyfriend. You had the brokenness you were feeling. Those are three secrets right there. And you decided to just rip them all open. (laughs) I don't think it was a choice. That was my higher power. No, it was a choice. No, it was. Because the higher power could have said, hey, here you go. And you would have gone, not today. Yeah. You know. I did heed the call. You completely did. It was absolutely own every bit of that. Say thank you. Realize it was a team effort. But, you know, they know I and team. He or she can't do it without you. Yeah. Uh, He, she, it, they, whatever, can't do it without you. And you said yes. And walked the yes. You're still walking the yes. Oh, I still am. I'm so in process. But I feel excited to be suspended in process because I also understand, because Julie Cameron talks about how when you finally get there, Mm -hmm. there disappears. And that is... (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) That shook something loose in you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, That is the truth. When you're there, there disappears. I am about to face a very big life transition. Um, Baby girl. One girl's going to college, and two years later, the other girl's going to college. And I was in therapy today going, I'm concerned. I'm looking at every single night eating dinner by myself. And part of me goes, I didn't spend the last 20 years building this family to be by myself again. Now Mm -hmm. I'm an only child again. Yeah. This is terrible. What do I need to do to prep? Because this is going to be bad, but maybe not. We'll see. I'll come over anytime. I know, right? I'm you like, I'll move into your house. So anyway, I've got some empty bedrooms. <laughs> if you'd like. Listen, when I'm in grad school or post-doctorate. Doctorate? Doctorate. Dr. Pinsky. Paging oh my Dr. God. Pinsky. <laughs> Did we need another doctor in the family. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Doing it on my own terms. I know, right? But hey, no, that's but all right. that's a huge moment, right? Like, because my mom, when we left, well, she, she lost all three of you at one at time. At the same time. That's insanity. And at the same time, though, life is a series of reinventions. Exactly. Because once you've arrived, it disappears. And so Julia Cameron talks about very much being suspended in the process, mm-hmm. right? What is, again, what are you doing to, to tend to your creativity, to your spiritual mm-hmm. wellness. Mm-hmm. Is it is today just about doing your morning pages and getting through the day? Yep. Or if you're starting a knitting project, is it about going to the yarn store? You know, right. like what are the tangible small steps, filling the well, filling the form? Like mm-hmm. what are these tiny steps that you can take to fulfill the creative need? Right. And I think for you, what's going to be exciting is coming back to your creativity. I agree. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, very well, look at this. I know. Well, you know, the thing is, I don't ever focus on myself as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I've always been a greater good 
a Gryffindor. I, I don't know if I'm a Gryffindor. Every time I test, I'm a Hufflepump. Hufflepump, whatever. <laughs> Hufflepump. Yes, I'm a Hufflepump. It's only Hufflepump from here on out. Uh, but, uh, but I've always been like, well, the need, the great need is here. So that can wait. The great need is here. That can wait. I've always been that way from a very small child. So yeah. um, I don't know if it's in my natural wheelhouse to go, no me. Mm. Like that's not in my natural wheelhouse, which is why I'm a perfect wife for Bert because he <laughs> does not have the other much. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what I have to say. What do you want? And answer that question. Well, I think that you that's going to be a point of growth for you. Oh, complete. I hope so. I think it may be a part of a, a disassembling and rebuilding. Absolutely. All at the same time. But I think there's something beautiful in that because mm -hmm. I think when we think of a good life, I think often we think of it being devoid of, of feeling. And I think people are afraid of feeling things, which is why they <sighs> numb, abate, run away from whatever it is. And I think it will be immensely painful mm -hmm. when, when Georgia goes and then Isla, like mm -hmm. it will be a transition, mm -hmm. but I also think there will be tools at your disposal to build a life that feels just as valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, and to like, I don't know, it's, it's interesting because when we left the house, I was just angry from the get and just like chugging beer and whatever. Um, and worked through a lot of anger. Like I worked through a lot of anger, mm -hmm. but also, you know, I think because I was finally expressing and feeling and all these things, it catalyzed growth in my mom as well. Right. Mm -hmm. That like we were both able to, to make changes mm -hmm. and like our relationship now is so different, mm -hmm. but also, you know, she is her own person mm -hmm. again. You know, she got to be her own person again. Yeah. Um, she is a hoot. She's ridiculous. I love your mom. All out she of the says blue. Hi. Oh, I love her. Out of the blue, a couple days ago, she goes, You need testosterone. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? And then she starts rambling off this stuff. It's and like, I'm like text, text, text. Yes. Text, and I'm text. like, What are you actually talking about, Susan? And she goes, Oh, I'm listening to an episode of your husband talking about your weight gain. And I was like, What? Bird did an episode about my weight gain. Jesus she was like, oh, Christ. honey, you just need testosterone. It's going to be great. This boom, boom, boom. Here's my doctor. Here's this. Here's a psychic. Here's this. You know, it's so funny. And I go, I, you got to love Susan Pinsky. You just got to love her. She is a character. Because she goes right to the meat. <laughs> she, she goes right to the meat. You know exactly what she's thinking. She goes right to it. There's no, hey, I, how are you? I actually love it because yeah. I don't always. There's no nonsense. No, no, no. I don't do well with nonsense. Yeah. I'd rather know exactly who you are from the minute you walk in the door. And I know exactly who Susan is. I have yeah. to moment I met her. Yeah. She's a lovely person. And she, that just killed me. You need testosterone. And I was like, hi, Susan, how you doing? <laughs> and why, where are you getting your information? Did Drew get a hold of my chart somehow? <laughs> I mean, what's happening? You know? She's, it's, uh, she came into my room because I was staying in an apartment that they own for the summer, which is a privilege and was amazing. Yeah. So basically an apartment that they got when I was in college and I grew up in. And so like these people have known me since I was 20, you know, yeah. um, and I was dead asleep. And she came in my room. She's like, did you leave a spare key downstairs? The dog's like, <laughs> ow, 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 ow. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I'm like, and that is my mother in a nutshell. It's like, so total disregard for me being dead asleep. Just like, what did you, did you do the thing that I need you to do right now? Yeah, she's just really intense. ADHD and just like, would you say she's a fire hoser? <laughs> Isn't that Susan the best Pinsky, term? professional fire hoser. Right? Best term ever. My therapist said to me, you know, you don't get what you want sometimes because you fire hose people. <laughs> and I went, what are you talking about? She was like, Leanne, sometimes you come in and you just fire hose <laughs> and they can't even stand yeah. up. I mean, you've hit them with so many things. They're yeah. now like being pushed across the yard yeah. by this stream of water that, that you're pushing out. Is abs- I mean, me, tiny, sensitive child and my mom being like, you need to work on your double toe because you did. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Mom, I don't even do double toes. Like, just like hyper laser focus. And then in, if you try to get her attention any other time, it's like, good luck, sister. You it's know? so funny. <sighs> yeah, I, I relate to the fire hoser in Susan Pinsky. That's, I'm a fire hoser. She needs too. business cards that say Susan Pinsky, producer, mother, fire hoser. <laughs> <laughs> I might need that too because Georgia, the other day I, I was like, listen. I know I'm a fire hoser. (laughs) We just got out of this orientation for your college and there's a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's I need to talk to you about. And I don't want to fire hose you. So, but I need to tell you a lot of stuff. So I need you to tell me how I can tell you everything that I can so I can like help me help fire sprinkle you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. And she was like, it me just saying I need to fire hose you, help me fire hose you, sent her into a panic. So I was like, okay. I'm going to write it down so you can digest it in whatever chunk you want. It was two full pages. And she looked at it and went, I'm being fire hosed in writing. And I was like, girlfriend, I don't know what to tell you. You didn't learn any of this shit at this orientation. I did. You need to know all this stuff. And she kept going, do I really need to know the phone number to the this? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. What if you're in trouble? She can put it in her phone. Tell her to just put it in her phone. I did. I said, like, Put on her favorites. I made a list. I was like, duck, uh, the, the, what's it called when people pick Health you services. up? Oh, the like, um, like the shuttle service. Yeah. I was like, just no, put it you in your want phone. phone. Yeah, you do want that. And they have like a whole police department on her campus that aren't, isn't like 911. So if someone breaks in your car, you'll you call 911. Yeah. You call that. Yeah. Public someone sa- steals safety? your bike. Yeah. Yes. Like public safety. Yeah. You need that phone number. She's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's just shutting her down. And I'm thinking, how are you going to make it from A to B in life? She will. This she is will. how I function every day. There's, I wake up and I turn the learned, hose on. You learned that. But also at the same time, I think you had to learn self-sufficiency early. Uh, at birth? Yeah. Yes. And she's had the privilege of having you help her. Of me fire hose everyone and her just stand behind and like yeah. pile her fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and I was that girl too, you know? And, and I think. You you can lead her to water, but you can't make her swim. You know what I mean? No, and- I don't want her to be like me, actually. I have no interest in that. I just want her to get her shit done in whatever way she gets her shit done. It's stressful. Going to college is stressful. It's like yes. there's so much shit to do. Mm-hmm. There is. There is. But at least you put it in writing, so she has it. So that I put it she- in writing, and then she's lost the paper. You need to put it in a, in a, a I note. I texted it. You need to make a note. Oh, on, that, and then like attach her to it so that uh-huh. Good it's smart. in her. Yeah. She told me to text it to her. So I went, uh, there's like 12 major items she needs to do before she leaves for college. You should do a shared note. I should do that. And then she, she can, can check it off, off and, and then, then you'll see go, when she does it. That's a good idea. I'll do that. I'll do that today. Cause yeah. I just went, 
text one, this, text two, this, text three, yeah, this. And then she was like, you're fire hosing me again. Yeah. I was like, you asked me for the list. Yeah. How can, am I supposed to do it? You can do like a, a, a like a bullet point list where she like fills it out. Like she pops the bubble when she's done. Awesome. And then you can continue to add things or whatever. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, Call your mom. <laughs> Once she gets in college, call your mom. I bought her a pillow she doesn't know about that says text your mom. <laughs> She's like, oh, God. I know. I'm sneaking it in my bag. Uh, so when does she go? Like soon? Uh, November 20th, we move her. Oh. So she's on a quarterly system. So, oh, and so I she's think around that's, for a while. She's around for a while. She's not super happy about that. All of her friends, the last friend left August 20th. Yeah, that's hard. And so that's one of the reasons her dad took her to Hawaii. They're in Hawaii now. <sighs> They've been there for like a while and she doesn't come back till Monday. She's staying longer than he is with his sister, her, her aunt. So there's like an aunt. That is a good gig. Niece. It's a good gig. What <clears throat> island are they on? Do you know? Right now they're on Oahu. I think they're moving uh, over to another island. I don't know which let one. Let me know because I spent a lot of time in Hawaii because my best friend who just got married lived on Oahu for five years. No way. They're leaving Oahu today. Are they going to the big island? Do you know? I don't know. Okay, let me know because um, I have suggestions if... Okay. Um, but yeah, so... And when she gets back, um, you know, she's got to get these few things in a row like that the college requires. That's what some of it is like. You have deadlines from your college. They're yeah. not from me. And I'm just writing you a list because they didn't. We had orientation at the same time, but yeah. we were separated. And I got all this information she didn't get. She had no idea. And I thought, that's really bizarre. What is she doing from now until November? I don't know. She's interested in journalism, right? She has changed her major into environmental studies. Okay, cool. But she was a journalism major. I'm like, let's so, get her, uh, let's get her doing something cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask her when she gets back. We'll see. She's babysitting for me for four days while I go on a trip with Bert. So she has some sister time. I kind of, I'm kind of being strategic. Like this dad daughter time yeah. is strategic because it's a couple weeks after friends left yeah. and you got a good 10, 12 days. And then she's home for like four or well, five days. He's been so and busy too. He's so busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I know firsthand what that's like. And it's really important to travel was always when we got to spend time together as a family. Exactly. That's what and we you did. You guys went to Rome. And we did. We went to Italy and it was just the four of us for most of the trip. We met with some friends for like a day and a half. Yeah. Um, and then that was really important. Yeah. We are doing that again before Isla goes to college. You need We're to do a big trip again before she goes to college. She wants to go to Iceland. <gasps> so. I see that for her. So, it's so hard. I was like, how about Africa? She went, no. I was like, you don't want to go. She's such an animal person. I was yeah. like, you don't want to go see lions and stuff. And she's like, Iceland, mom. That's where it's at. It's Iceland. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with you? I'm offering you a safari and you want to go to Iceland? <laughs> okay. Isla is her own person. And I love that. Let me tell you, that girl is. We had a long talk today about it because, um, she and her sister move through the world very differently. Yeah. And sometimes Isla, the way Georgia moves through the world makes Isla distrustful of her. And I'm trying to get Isla to understand the person you need to trust is yourself. And your sister is always going to be who she is. And if you decide you're just not going to trust her because she functions differently than you, you're going to isolate yourself from everybody. Yeah. Because if you can't figure that out with your own sister, yeah. you're going to have a really hard time with the world. So this was me. I was like, oh, you cray? Out. 
oh, you cray out. Yeah. And I ended up alone. Yeah. I spent my whole time in New York pretty much alone. Wow. Because I was like, I don't trust any of your dysfunction. Yeah. When really I just needed to trust myself with myself and then let people have their dysfunction and still love them. I couldn't figure out how to do that until I got to be probably my late twenties, early thirties, where I went, I love the broken parts too, because Mm -hmm. in order to do that, you have to love and recognize the broken parts in yourself. Yeah. You have to accept yourself as imperfect. And I don't know that I thought I was perfect, I just knew I wasn't safe with my imperfections or with other people's imperfections. Yeah. So I've been trying because George has been really trying to figure out who she is. And Isla showed up on this planet knowing who she is. Yeah. There's some people like Chelsea, my best friend is like that. Just knows who she is. Isla, you, I mean, I guarantee you 20 years from now, she'll be the same Mm -hmm. person. That's Chelsea. And Georgia has always... Um, I've been 14 people in this life. I, I she, I, she's similar yeah. in that she's always searching and trying things and pivoting. And like she has, she got into college as a journalism major and has already changed and hasn't even been to school, Yeah, which yeah. I go, that's stupid, but uh, fire hose, fire hose. Yeah. Why are you doing that? But I'm like, it's her path. I'm like, let's get Like if she wants to write with me weekly, let's do it. Like, okay. I'll tell her that. Tell she her. She might want to do that. I'm like, she may want to do the artist way. Yeah. I yeah. That may be too much for her. I'll ask her. Let her know. She doesn't get home till Monday. Monday would be a good Okay, I'll ask her. I th- she Listen, may she can be my it. intern if she wants to be. Oh, I'll she ask can her that on too. Her resume. Like, because uh, she um, she likes to work. Yeah, that's one thing she has. Isla doesn't have. Mm. Isla don't like to work. <laughs> Isla ain't no worker. Georgia <laughs> Kreischer. Georgia will work till she drops. Yeah. Isla's like, mm, ah, no. <laughs> Is there a nap involved in working? Because I can do that. That's and amazing. She's not a worker. But I mean, she told me she wanted to either be a zookeeper, uh, a bartender, or a trophy wife. <laughs> Listen, you can be all three. She if told you have me the that right like in December. I mean, like not oh like when she gosh. was a child. Like she's fifteen. I'm thinking zookeeper or because the zoo closes at four. <laughs> uh, bartender, because you only work a couple hours, you make good money. Yeah. Trophy wife, you do nothing. And I was like, I think you do a little more than nothing. You find yourself a rich man, woman, or child. Uh, she's hysterical. That She's funny. What a fucking brain. What brain does that? You know, zookeeper, the zoo closes at four. <laughs> As if the people go home at four. You know, they don't. They got to feed the animals. Somebody's there all day long. Somebody's got to milk the cows. No, they don't have cows at the zoo. No, but. No, anyway. that's amazing. Isn't that funny? Uh, <laughs> that's just so beautiful, though, that you're able to have that conversation with her, you know, and that because that's how I feel when I teach high school students where I'm, you know, the first three rules of my class are don't be cool, don't be funny and fail. Yeah. And they're like, fail? Like, yeah. what do you mean? And it's like, you know, these kids who are high achieving, able to get into a Columbia pre-college creative writing program haven't been so afraid of failure their entire yeah, lives. They've never probably ever failed. And so handing them the tool to fail deliberately to take risks mindfully changes lives right and so like i just want to say not that you need me to commend you but i think it's beautiful that you're able to reflect isla back at herself and offer her to solutions so that she can grow into a person who has love and affection and trust and expansive relationships well thanks for saying that you know that was a hard thing thing for me to learn. I had to learn 
that that's what I was doing. Like no one told me, hey, this is what you're doing. Yeah. I didn't have anybody in my life to self-reflect. Yeah. Nobody was that self-aware. And maybe that was the era. But that's not what parents did in that era either. Yeah. But I just go, girlfriend, this is going to leave you high and dry. Yeah. And, and that's you're not going to be happy. That is a gift that she does not understand. I, I don't know if she understands, but if I were 15 and my mom said that, which she never would. No. She'd be like, get up for ice skating. You know? No. Oh, your mom. Oh, yeah. I not my, my mom. But still, like, that is a gift that will reap over and over again. If she hears it. I think so. She I think will. I've said She'll it her whole it. life because because it happens with the two people that I love that live in my house that she knows I know Georgia and I know her and I have I'm not on anybody's team, yeah. not anybody's side. I just see them as who they are. I yeah. really have tried from the beginning to just see them as who they are, not who I want them to be because if I saw them as who they, I wanted them to be, they'd be perfect. Mm. And they're not. They have places to grow yeah. and things to learn and mistakes to make. And I see some of the mistakes ahead of them. And and they need to make those mistakes, some of them. Yeah. You know, they need to. Because yeah. me telling her that won't learn her. her that. No. But it might fast forward the learning. It might be where she's in a place where she goes, oh, this is what mom was talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I need to think about this in a different way. She'll hear it when she needs to. You know, but it'll, so. It's reverberating in her skull. And when the moment comes for her to hear that insight, it will be loud and clear. I hope so. And I think what you said about, you know, wanting them, how you want them to be versus who they are. I yeah. think my entire teenhood was project being who my parents wanted me to be. Right. Or who I thought they wanted me to be. And that led to dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And I think now I get to be who I am and I'm starting to be seen for who I am, which then takes me back to the, the, you know, with this guy, he was like, you know, you're more emotionally intelligent than other newcomers. Right. So like this, I more than like, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing someone for who they are with their flaws, Mm -hmm. with their faults, like not eclipsing your idea of who they are so that you can see what you want to see That's right. versus who is standing before you. You see them warts and all. Warts and all. I married Bert, warts and all. Yeah. I had a conversation with myself about his warts. Yeah. And went, can you do the warts? Because if you can't do the warts, you got no business walking down that path. Yeah. The, if you can do the warts, if you know, the, you know they're, they're going to suck sometimes, but. You signed up for this. I signed up for it. So now you can't complain. Now yeah. you can't try to change him. Now you can't expect him to be something different. Yep. Because you saw the picture fully and made the choice. Yeah. That's very different. I think that's something a lot of women make the mistake of That doing. they can change somebody. That they can change. They see the warts and go, I'll fix that. Yeah. No, no, no. They're staying. Assume it's there forever. Yeah. And if they choose to fix it, awesome. God bless. But if you can't, if they don't, you can't complain about it because you knew it. Eyes wide open. You can't turn red flags pink. Not without a little bit of bleach. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay, tell me again about your Artist Way because I have to write Artist Way. We're doing an eight-week expedited version of the 12-week spiritual workbook written by Julia Cameron, The Artist Way. Um, We're starting on September 6th, that Tuesday. We meet every Tuesday, September and October, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern for one to two hours, depending on how many chapters we're going through. Um, It's a little bit, excuse me, more intensive than the general 
a 12-week course because we're, some weeks we'll be doing two chapters at a time. Um, that being said, we already have a really kick-ass group of ladies. Um, it, however you identify, you are welcome. There will be a Wife of the, uh, wife of the Party scholarship. If you want to apply, please go to my website, paulinapinski.com. Go to the Artist Way tab and apply in the contact sheet. Let me know your name, where you're located, why you need financial support and what you hope to get out of the artist way. Um, it will be eight weeks. Um, that being said, if you're like end of the year, I got too much going on. I will be doing it again in January and that will be a 12 week course. So that it will be January through March, 2023. Um, so if you would like to be on the list for the 2023 class, you can also fill out my contact sheet. Um, but that being said, um, eight weeks to unblock your creativity and to figure out what the hell you want to do. I love it. That's I so love you awesome. so much. Oh, I love you too. I'm so glad you're back. Ugh, it feels so good. Guess who's back, right? Back again. She's back. She's back. I can't wait. So we'll have to do this again more regularly. Yeah, and I'm I can't, around. I'm so excited that you're applying for your PhD program. I decided yesterday. So we'll see if I stick. I'm going to stick to it, I think. I'm what, just going to What throw, do you mean? What do you mean? toss my hat in the ring. See, it's what? a very competitive program, but oh, I think- it? Oh, do you have to be accepted into it? I don't know. How yeah, this works. I'm I think they dummy. like accept like two people. But what? I already have that. <laughs> I have already have my approach in my head. Good. Like I'm applying for another um, residency and I'm applying for this PhD. And I, literally this morning I woke up and I was like, I know what I have to do. It's going to be a lot of work, but this is what I do for other people all the time. Right. And so it's like, I'm a, as my dad would say, I'm a hired gun. You know, you are a hired gun. You're great. And it's going to be great. I'll be shocked if you don't get in. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So happy for you. And what a great trip to New York because you made some serious revelations about where you should be right now and what you should be doing, sort of. Like, maybe you just figured out this PhD thing yesterday. But that's definitely a result, I think, of making a decision that being in L.A. is is right for you. It felt like I was closing a circle. That's awesome. And that's the first time that I really felt that in my life. Yeah. And I'm 29 and it's like, I'm turning 30 this fall. Like I'm so like, I went to this concert for my best friend's bachelorette and LCD sound system was playing. And the first time I heard LCD sound system was at Bonnaroo when I was doing ecstasy for the first time. Okay. And that was when I realized I had been depressed my whole life mm. and that I was experiencing joy for mm. the first time. Mm. And so it was a symbolic because I was leaving Chicago to move back to New York and she was thinking about moving to Hawaii to be with her boyfriend. And they have this song called New York, I Love You. Mm -hmm. And I just remember crying and holding her and being like, wow, my best friend on earth. Like I'm experienced. And then, you know, five years eclipsed. And on Sunday, hearing that song again, her about to marry this man, me back in my, like at the Rose Bowl, wow. my backyard, leaving New York, just a wave broke. Like yeah. I ugly cried oh. because it meant something so different mm -hmm. because New York, I do love you, but you're bringing me down. Yeah. Like, yeah. and, and part of it is honoring that part of being in New York is that it does break you. Mm -hmm. But also part of it is like those of us who are lucky enough to stay for a long time, it shapes who you are. Absolutely. And you don't have to stay forever. No. And it's, I'm going back in October. You know, there's things that I'm still doing. Yeah, but you'll always be there. Eight months, the last eight months just like cracked on my head like an egg. Yeah. And I I guess I would, I want to say that I just feel really proud of who I've become. You should be really proud of who you've become and who you are becoming. You're actively becoming that yeah. person. You are. 
you 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 feel you feel sad though. Are you sad? I think that I feel gratitude, but also there is a sadness in that I am allowing myself to feel the weight of what has happened. Totally. That so much has changed. Yeah. And there is a deep sadness in leaving New York. There is a mourning period in that. Yes. And there should be. Don't, don't not have it. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to feel that grief and the door closing. And uh, obviously a new door opens. It's, it's, po- it's the end of one cycle in the beginning. Exactly. I'm like, I'm in this liminal exactly. space. Yes. And so. But dude, yeah. that's what I'm sensing, I think, because listen, I had this moment after I had kids where I went, oh my God, I'm never going to have another first kiss. I'm never going to have, oh my God, does he like me? Mm-hmm. I'm never going to have, I can't wait for him to pick me up again. And I called Bert and I said, I just had this realization and it's made me super sad, but I'm so happy in my life. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. But I need you to know if I'm really sad for the next couple days, I'm kind of mourning my youth sort of. Yeah. I'm mourning the newness of that part of life. I am. I think I am mourning my youth because I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't live in New York. So much of my self-concept was being this New York girl, you know, and Now I'm really being shown who I am and mm-hmm. and discovering who I want to become. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. It is. It's You're very Scorpio. Job. It's very like Phoenix from the ashes, you know? It's, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I just feel a lot of gratitude to you because Aww. I can every time. I mean, again, like talking about spiritual wellness, every time I have a conversation with you, I am pushed to see something that I didn't see before. And then I'm able to re-listen to the conversation and redigest what has been said. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really a, a, a kind of confusing, beautiful experience <laughs> to be able to look back on last October mm-hmm. when I sat here for the first time mm-hmm. gripping, you know, because I was holding back. Yeah. I was holding in a lot. Yeah. And over the course of this year, you have given me a space to open up about all of it. And part of it was because like shit's shit makes daisies grow tall, like talking about eating disorder things, sort of the can like the canned routine of talking about my eating disorder forced me to recognize the ways in which I was ignoring my health Mm. and holding secrets. Interesting. And how that was making me sick. Wow. So I just want to say thank you to you and our friendship. Well, thank you to you. I just feel so much gratitude to you. Well, I love that you're my friend. I I love that we're friends. I know, me too. I'm glad you're back. Me too. And I know we keep trying to have lunch and stuff outside (laughs) the pocket, and it never works out. Uh, it's my fault. So it's okay. We'll keep making it we'll happen. We'll keep making it happen because I think you're just lovely. And it's been wonderful to watch since October all that you've gone through so bravely to Thank put you. it out in such a brave way, not just here, but in any other podcast you've done in your newsletter and to continue inspiring other people to open up their creativity is huge. It's Thank not. You. For the faint at heart. <laughs> I love extremes. That's the Scorpio in me. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm married to Scorpio. I know what you're talking yeah. about. But, <laughs> but really, that's something to be very proud of and in a humble way. Be very proud of who you are becoming and that you've done it a little bit out loud. Mm. Because you shining inspires others to shine as well. And you feeling will inspire others to feel as well. 
that's what we're here to do yeah. is to help each other. Yeah. And heal each other. Yeah. And everybody has their own little part to play in this big play that we're in together. Yeah. And you're playing your part beautifully. Thank you. Beautifully. And to share, hey, I screwed up. I was with this guy for three weeks. He was a complete lunatic (laughs) and I'm embarrassed. That's all completely real. Yeah. And natural and should be happening. Yeah. You know, what do you think? You're going to fall in love with the perfect guy first thing right out of the gate. No. You need some red herrings first. You got to have some. You yeah. got to screw them up so you can get, you kiss a bunch of frogs. Yep. So you finally get the guy. But I'm so proud of you. Thank I really you. am so proud of you. Thank you. And thanks for coming back and sharing all this process with me. Anytime. Because I want to know for me selfishly, <laughs> I want to know. And I just happen to have a podcast where I think other people want to know too. You're mm-hmm. you're one of the, my favorite guests. Everybody's Aww. like, more Paulina, more Paulina. Thank you. So now that you're here, more Paulina. Literally more Paulina. anytime. I know. Okay. I love you and I will come whenever you want me. Well, I love you too. And we'll see you soon. Hopefully. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we should.